Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Three Things Podcast. Before we get started on this week, I just wanted to let you guys know of a couple things going on in Coach Casey Leland. The first is Purposeful Strength. Purposeful Strength is my weekly newsletter that goes out every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Um, it's not very fitness related. I don't really know how to categorize it other than uh, I typically just talk about one concept. Maybe it's a challenge to the reader. Um, something that's going to, I hate to use the word like inspire because I don't really know if it's inspiring, but it's definitely thought provoking. Um, I've gotten some really good feedback on the first couple months of writing. Um, I'd love for you guys to join if you're interested. If you go to www.coachkcelee.com, you'll see a landing page for Purposeful Strength. It's 100% free. It'll always be free. I don't really know if anyone does paid newsletters. It's a pretty baller move if, if you do, but um, go check that out. I'd love for you to be a part of it. The second is that I've got online coaching spots starting up. Um, I'm super excited about this to be utilizing True Coach to bring my programming to different clients, um, kind of everywhere. I've worked with people throughout the United States. Um, I'm really bad with time zones, so if you listen to this and you're in a different country, like I, I probably am not a good fit for you. But um, if you are listening to this, and you're looking to work with me, I'd love to work with you. Again, if you head over to www.coachkcd.com, uh, you can find a link for online coaching. And uh, it doesn't cost anything to really get started as far as the movement screen and initial consultation process goes. So um, give it a click. If you're a trainer and you just want to see how I do things, give it a click. Totally here to help. Uh, anyway, I digress. Back to the podcast. We've got Tony Bonvecchio on for round two. We had uh, a round two scheduled, but the audio was really bad. Apologies, Tony. Um, so this is round two, but it worked out perfectly because I'm just wrapping up the Strength House and Tony Bonvecchio's hypertrophy program for 12 weeks. And I'm actually going to rinse and repeat it for another 12 weeks. But Tony and I talk about this hypertrophy program. It's kind of a quasi-review but uh, it's really good. And Tony, I think, is an incredibly intelligent, I shouldn't say I think, I know, Tony is an incredibly intelligent coach. This is his top-notch program. We talk about what I've learned through the 12 weeks. We talk about hypertrophy training and where people maybe miss the boat. Um, it's a good conversation, talking with Tony, a fellow beer connoisseur. Uh, I don't really know if we're new parents, but our daughters are within three months of each other. Um, we have very similar life events. We're both Vermonters. A bunch of other things come out during the pod. Uh, of course, there's a little speed round at the end. But Tony Bonvecchio on the other side of the intro. I hope you Welcome back, everyone. New week, new episode of the Three Things Podcast. I'm joined by, I'm going to call him my coach because he's been my coach, whether he wanted to or not, since Thanksgiving. Uh, Tony Bonvecchio, how are you on this fine Wednesday morning? I'm doing great, man. I like the sound of that. I, you know, um, everyone always says that, you know, the person's name is like the sweetest sound in the world. But if you throw coach in front of it, uh, it gets even sweeter. So I like that a lot. My coach, Tony Bonvecchio. Yeah. Uh, so Tony has agreed to join me. I am in week 11 of 12 of the Strength House's hypertrophy program. And Tony and I are going to jam on this program as well as just some general topics around hypertrophy because 
Um, I think the, the hypertrophy is one of the most coveted assets in all of strength training. Um, and this program is, it's been awesome. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you know, I'm always week two, day four, week 11, day one, Tony B, my legs, I can't feel them. I'm legit scared for what's going to happen. Uh, but the program is coming to a wrap spoiler alert. I'm definitely going to restart it and do another 12 weeks. Uh, but Tony, I got three things for you. Are you ready for the first one? I'm ready. What is reps and reserve? Because I never heard about it until Thanksgiving. Uh, so reps and reserve is just a different way of thinking about um, like measuring the the difficulty or intensity of a set. And um, you know we were, but we were introduced to it uh, via uh, Renaissance periodization. So a little bit of backstory: my business partner Greg Robbins. Um, you know, he, I think he decided to really dive into the RP stuff um, and decide that he just wanted to get absolutely yoked. Uh, at the perfect time, you know, basically just before COVID arrived and, and everything got shut down. So we've always kind of thought of like sets as having a predetermined, predetermined number of reps. Like this set is going to be over at a predetermined time. Um, you prescribe the number of sets, the number of reps and the intensity, you know, that's just how you do it. Three sets of eight at uh, eight RPE, you know, four sets of five at 80% of your max. But um, something that was kind of revolutionary for us is when we started to dive into more of the Renaissance stuff is like, um, you don't have to have a predetermined number of reps, you can just keep going and stop a certain number of reps uh, shy of failure. And that is really we found so much more effective. If you're trying to build muscle, because like we were talking about before you started recording, um, you know, it's not necessarily the intensity or the weight on the bar that matters for, for muscle growth, but it's your proximity to failure. And research is really pretty definitive, like showing that, that um, proximity to failure, as well as uh, slowly adding volume over time is, a, is a more important for hypertrophy than necessary to lo necessarily the load on the bar. And you do want to gradually add load over time. Um, but this is something I think we kind of intuitively knew, but just didn't really put into practice. So reps in reserve, um, you know, for example, you might do, um, you know, you, you choose the number of sets, you choose the load on the bar, and then you have a reps in reserve. So it might be like three sets to three reps in reserve at a hundred pounds, you know? So you just keep going. doesn't matter how, exactly how many reps you do. But as long as you leave a certain number of reps in the tank, you know, you're probably going to be training in the rep range that's going to help you grow muscle. Um, because if you just say, if you, you say, I'm going to do three sets of 10 um, at 50 pounds and you stop at 10 reps, but you still have, you know, five, six, seven reps in the tank. Is that really challenging enough to, to help you grow, to, to force your body to add muscle? Like probably not. So um, it kind of safeguards against choosing, let's say, an incorrect load um, because you're still going to have a hypertrophy effect, uh, effect way up into really high rep ranges, 20, 30 reps. Um, but as long as the set is appropriately challenging, like you're going to get the adaptation you want. I think that because I, I had never heard of it. And I think you wrote an article leading up to the release of this program. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool concept. And now actually having done it for almost 12 weeks, like it, it feels good. Like, I, I know it's weird to say like you're working proximity and failure, but 
Um, and maybe it's the implement that I, I choose to use or whatever, but for whatever reason, like I, I sit down to get ready to train and like my, and I think you and I talked about this, like my body doesn't hurt when I'm done the programming, because if I, even if I go a, a touch lighter, a little bit more reps, the, the proximity to failure is still there, but my joints, my shoulders, my knees, ankles, back, elbows, like I don't have any like weird muscular joint pain. Like I get sore. Don't get me wrong. My booty after day one is destroyed, but I don't feel like my lower back doesn't hurt. My shoulders don't hurt. And just reps in reserve, it just feels like it's such a simple concept that when you're trying to put muscle on your body, like it's just like, duh, like just work closer to proximity to failure, but you can do it safely. And I think that maybe is like the initial thought to some people is like, oh, failure training is not good for you. Oh, central nervous system. Like it was, I feel great. Like I've, I, I've literally felt awesome this whole time. And that's great to hear. And that's a, a really common sentiment that we've heard. And I think the key there also is uh, like starting a hypertrophy program um, with more reps in reserve and gradually whittling down, you know, in the hypertrophy program that, that we put out, um, I think starts with three reps in reserve, which like when I think of three RIR, I think of it like, okay, that's not too bad. Um, but at first, like that, like only leaving three reps in the tank, that can be, that can be pretty tough, but it just gives you room to grow like no pun intended. Um, and if you, if you, realize that like you don't got to go like completely balls out like all the way to failure every single time um life becomes a little bit easier and a little bit less uh full of aches and pains um and, and that is a way to to progressively overload as well right to go from three rir down to two rir down to one rir and then kind of like rinse repeat and go back add load um and we just heard, you know, like I said, we, we discovered and Greg really gets much of the credit for this, um, you know, making the switch to RIR for hypertrophy training right before the shutdown, because, man, we were writing a lot of at home programs. Uh, and, and if we had not had the RIR method in our back pocket, um, writing those at home programs would have been much less effective, uh, much more challenging. So uh, you bet your ass there are a lot of strength house members doing a lot of body weight lunges and push-ups to uh, three oh, RIR. RI. <laughs> body weight <laughs> lunges to oh god. About it, um, they they say like, man, if we get shut down again, I'm not doing those fucking lunges. I'm just not doing them. That is oh, I mean, I, so, and this is my next question is, and I'm I'm, I'm sure the answer is always it depends. But for those, because I feel like this program, like hypertrophy people can be like, oh, it's a meathead program. It's this and that. I don't know. Like, I think it's the principles behind it can apply to anyone from average Joes to like off-season bodybuilders to even like, I've been taking some of these principles and dabbling with some of my high school athletes, college athletes, um, because it's just, it's so like, it's so simple. It's like, hey, go until you have three reps in the tank. And then you kind of, like you are saying, progress with volume as the training block goes on. How important is the implement in hypertrophy training? The implement meaning like the bar you're using? or like Yeah, like barbell, dumbbell, landmine versus free weight versus whatever. Like how important is that? Uh, I think it's extremely important. And, uh, and this kind of goes back to um, something that I had a grad school professor uh, who was a really high level natural bodybuilder. And he always used to talk about um, the right link, wrong link test. 
he said like anytime I'm, I'm doing an exercise and trying to build muscle, uh, like I want to make sure that I have the right link. And what he meant by that was like, you ask yourself what fails first in this exercise as I fatigue. And if the answer is not the target muscle group, then it's the wrong link. Uh, he would always joke, like you can make leg presses harder by putting broken glass in your shoes, but it doesn't make it any more effective for building your legs. It's a really so, good analogy. So to your point, like um, the implement can change what fatigues first, right? So let's say that your, your dumb ass has been doing rear foot elevated split squats the whole time. Yes. God, God, you know, go with God yes. on that. But um, if you were doing say like um, a barbell in like a front rack position, uh, yeah, pretty cool exercise, something that we use with a lot of our athletes, but uh, would your legs fatigue first? Like probably not, probably like your upper body might fatigue first, your abs might fatigue first. Um, holding really heavy dumbbells by your sides without straps, maybe your grip fatigues first. Um, so it's the wrong link because the legs aren't the first thing to fatigue, but you're talking about like you're using a weight vest. Um, so it's some grip free load. You're using dumbbells by your side. So like you just organize the, the implement in a way so that whatever muscle you're targeting, like that's what goes first. You don't worry about your grip. Um, you don't worry about stability. You don't worry about like um, any other factor that might make it so you can't really get to that true RIR. And that's where I think um, people have to let go of some of the tradition of like using, using a barbell or using free weights and, and staying away from machines. Like it's just whatever gets the job done, you know, um, because even if you're a power lifter and like your sport is squat bench deadlift with a straight bar, um, even if you are a team sport athlete and like um, the idea of free weight functional training is important to you. If you're trying to build muscle like that, that muscle building process is very general. It doesn't, it, you're just building capacity. You're just building potential. You know, you're adding cross-sectional area to muscle groups that are then going to do something that is sports specific. Um, but like whatever gets the job done, I, I joke about it sometimes. Like what if something came out some sort of machine that was like super lame and like not fun to use, but it was really effective for building muscle. Like, would you use it? Like if, if building muscle is important to your sport as it is in powerlifting, as it is in team sports, like, you know, being uh, bigger is often important for being durable and enduring the, the wear and tear of your sport. Like, yeah, you should do it, whatever it takes. So yeah, I think the implements in extremely important. That was a really good answer. And one of the sneaky smartest answers I think I've ever heard on this podcast. Um, you mentioned cross-sectional area. Easy, Tony, easy, easy. It's early. That's not what the listeners knees is talking about that. But uh, I will say on a side note, uh, I've been doing this program sometimes late at night after my daughter goes to bed. Um, I've definitely had to make accommodations for day one and day two to happen on the weekend because I'm debilitated after those. And by debilitated, I mean like a good sore. But um, as that volume increases, Tony, the best advice you ever gave me was um, add weight moderately if you even add weight because the sets naturally increase. So you're increasing volume week to week regardless of weight increase. And um, it, it, I, it just was so – I just keep going back to this about how – it was just so simple to implement to get success. 
like if you look and I don't know if this is right, but this is kind of what I've been doing. Like when it was three sets, four sets, five sets, I would almost look at the total number of reps achieved to help me pick the sets and rep scheme to go into the next week, knowing that the sets went up, the reps stayed the same. And then I would manipulate the weight. If I was on the higher end of the rep scheme, I would add weight to get to the lower end of the rep scheme, but still want to hit at least the same number of reps from the week before. And that would help kind of gauge my, my poundage increase on a week to week. And I don't know if that's kind of the intentions, but I felt like there was a lot of different ways to add progress in this program outside of just more weight on the bar, more weight in your hands, which is something that I always kind of champion with my clients. And it's something that I really appreciated was, okay, I can do the same thing as last week. It's Thursday night. It's nine o'clock PM. I have no interest in doing this right now, but I can do the same thing I did last week. And by default of awesome programming from my coach, Tony Bonvecchio, I'm just going to do it one more set. And that in itself is progress. That's a, that's a really smart point. And like, you know, there are so many ways to make progress, not just weight on the bar. And once you realize that the world is yours, you know, mm. and, and that right there is also why adding volume over time is, is perhaps more important than adding load over time for hypertrophy. Like if you want to get stronger, if you want to improve maximal strength, like you better add weight to the bar pretty regularly. Um, but like sometimes, man, like you just, you have a bad day. You're not feeling great. Your daughter woke you up at three 30 and uh, it's after a long day of work. It's nine o'clock. You still got training in. Um, the idea of like going up five pounds is just like not in the cards. In fact, maybe you have to reduce the weight. Maybe you're not feeling it that day and you got to go 10 pounds lighter, but you ask yourself, like, can I do one more set than last time? Like, yeah, I may not get a ton of reps, but uh, really the idea of the number of challenging sets overall and, in, and increasing that over time, um, that's going to be a, a surefire way to make sure that you grow. Of course, alongside with making sure that you eat right and that you're uh, sleeping enough. But as far as the actual like training stimulus, like adding sets over time with with what Dr. Mike Israel of Renaissance Periodization calls micro loading, you know, like very, very small increases in weight. Um so, and you got to look at it kind of on a, on a much bigger scale and take like that um, bird's eye view is like, am I over a 12 week period? Did I make significant increases in weight? Not just like, did I increase the weight every single day? Cause nobody does that forever. Right. That runs out pretty quick once the newbie gains are gone. Um, so like, I'm sure you're going to step back at the end of this 12 week program and say like, okay. Uh, here are the exercises I started with. I started with, you know, two or three sets, three reps in reserve. Here's the weight I was using all the way up to, you know, four or five sets, whatever, down to one rep in reserve. Chances are you're going to be using a lot more weight. Maybe you didn't go up every single session or even every single week, but over the course of 12 weeks, chances are that you've, you've added load. Um, you know, so like you don't always have to lift for right in this moment. Yeah. Um, I'm all for like being in the moment, being present in what you're doing, but with lifting, um, Jim Wendler always said this with the five, three, one program. It's like, you're not lifting for today. You're lifting for tomorrow and next week and next year and three years down the road. So your training should, should kind of take that more of a macro lens instead of such a micro lens. That's the beauty of having a plan. Like you, you know, you know exactly what's coming, you know, exactly what you're going to have to do. And then. Uh, you just kind of, I mean, the first week of this program really like the, the going through it, three reps in reserve, three sets really establishes a quality baseline to work and build off of. 
Um, and it was, it's just, I'm, I've never done, and I don't know if this is, I guess it's like a templated program. Like I've never done something like that before, but like the exercise selection piece was huge. You guys obviously like use, like, I think it was teachables, the program that delivers it with like everything being clearly laid out. I mean, I'm, this is a glowing recommendation. Anyone listen to this? Like, I think it's a great program that anyone can do and, and it's an awesome program um, to get done. My last question, the last of the three things, Tony Bonvecchio, before we get to maybe a little bit of nonsense, oh, it's starting to snow. I don't know if it's still snowing in Massachusetts. It's starting to snow here in Vermont. Too much snow. It, it, it stops now, but yeah, we got another like four or five oh, inches. Yeah. It's just, it's never ending. I, I, if I don't, if I can't get out and fish soon, I might fucking kill somebody. So, <laughs> Bring your like, shovel. I, <laughs> Bring your shovel. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the length of time for these workouts. Um, because I found that obviously like five sets are going to be longer than the, the weeks you have three sets, but some of these workouts I was doing in like, you know, with, with 90 seconds to, I would say I probably would do like between primary lifts, like that first lift was probably two minutes between sets all the way down to maybe one minute between sets. If I was doing ab wheel rollouts um, and I was getting these workouts done in like 25 minutes. Is that like, how long do you really need to work out for true hypertrophy? If you're on a training split, four or five days a week. That's the beauty of it is like, it really doesn't take that long. And, um, I think it's smart to time your rest periods. I think that's an underrated, um, aspect of hypertrophy. You know, you don't need uh, complete like nervous system recovery to, to have that sort of stimulus. Um, but yeah, especially when you start with, we start with less, you know, fewer exercises, less volume, and then build up over time. Um, that makes for some pretty short workouts, like right off the bat. And while we've been talking more about quantity, you know, adding load over time, adding sets over time, obviously the quality has to be there too. Mm. You know, and if you're, if you're really focusing on what you're doing, the intent is there. Um, you have a good mind muscle connection and you get that muscle to fatigue quickly. Like that's a good thing. Right. Um, and sometimes some of our clients and our lifters get kind of like, flustered or pissed off where it's like, man, I only got X number of reps today. Um, I'm like, well, did you hit the RIR? Like, did your, did your muscle, you know, did you get close to failure? And they're like, yeah, like, you know, I, I've got an awesome pump. Like I, you know, my biceps are tired. Like the pump is so real. <laughs> it's like, that's good. That's what you want. Like that is, um, when you're doing the main lifts, like if you're not getting as many reps or you're falling short of where you want to be, like if you're on a, on a, powerlifting program and you're four weeks out from competition like that's not good um but like failure is literally or, or proximity to failure is literally what we're chasing so if you're getting to the rir with fewer reps and you're still within the range that you want like that is that is good that is the sign of a good lifter somebody who can who can fatigue that muscle effectively um so yeah. I, and that's why I think this is a great program. Like, you know, I think traditionally you think that these bodybuilding programs or whatever body part splits have to be you know, five, six days a week. You got to work out for two or three hours at a time. Um, that's what we would just call like junk volume. Uh, more is not necessarily better. Like better is better. That's the cliche. Uh, but in this case, like we're looking for adding quantity over time, but every set should be of high quality. Yeah, that was probably the biggest paradigm shift that I had was okay, like, I think it's like the upper body pull days or like, you know, 
four exercises and a finisher. And what I found, and this is kind of maybe like if you're listening to this and you're a busy working professional, um, you know, I don't think Tony, I don't think we're young parents anymore. We both have two year olds, but for me, it was, (laughs) for me, it was huge knowing, okay, day four is going to be a lot shorter than day one. Um, primarily because of exercise selection, shout out rear for elevated split squats, but putting those on different days that matched the schedule. Like, I feel like this program just had a little bit of everything that allowed me to stay consistent. Cause I hand up like a five day a week training. Like, I don't think I've done that since I was like 26. Like I, you know, it's been a handful of years since I've been like, okay, five days a week, I'm going to get after it. Like normally it's like three or four with some decent nutrition. Like I was, I five days a week, I would get it done. Day one starts on Saturday. Like that's it. You have five days, you have seven days to get five workouts in and you kind of understand the length and how it matches to your schedule and maybe flip-flopping day one starts on this day, day one starts on this day, whatever it might be. But for anyone listening to this, if you're a busy working professional, if you're a parent and you're trying to get some quality training in this program, I found hit all those things easy, I'll say it, not easy things, but things that my schedule need in order for me to be successful in it. So, um, you know, whether it's the duration of the workout, the way you can kind of mix match days as needed. And then like we just alluded to, there's so many different ways to actually achieve progress that, I mean, it's, it's, it's well-written like that. I guess it's the punchline. That's the end of my three things. Like it's a well-written program. I have no idea if you intended it to be like that, but I, for me, 12 weeks easy, I'm going to do it again. And here's the thing, Casey, is that like most people, when they're crunched for time, uh, they train less often, which is like, it it makes sense, right? Like I I don't have that much time to train. I'm just going to train three days a week. Um, That's great. You're not applying a stimulus that often. And for the, for a three day a week program to really, you know, be, make meaningful change, you have to do a lot each of those days. So you're trying to do a lot, a little, Um, and if you're, schedule gets thrown off and you miss a workout or you have to cut a workout short or whatever, like you're fucked. Cause like, you're not just, you're just not applying the stimulus that's necessary. But if you're crunched for time, maybe you spread out that stimulus over more days, shorter workouts, carve yourself out 30, 40, 45 minutes to train, do it more often. Not only is that going to kind of make that stimulus more manageable each time, but you're also going to come back around and train those muscle groups more frequently. Um, because if you only train, let's say you train three days a week and you train each muscle group twice a week. Um, but you're just not hitting that muscle group that often you're, you're leaving gains on the table because you're not training that muscle group again, as soon as it's recovered, or sometimes it may even have too much time to recover and you may backslide a little bit. Um, you don't know for sure. Like we can't specifically say exactly like, okay, day one, I trained my delts and my delts are going to be ready again to train in, you know, four days. Maybe it's two days, maybe it's six days. It's different for everybody. Um, but we do know that training more productively, more frequently is probably going to lead to more muscle gain than training less frequently. So that's why I'm a, I'm a huge proponent. I've totally changed my mindset on this is when people say that they don't have much time, instead of training less often, two or three days a week, I challenge people to train, do shorter workouts more often, and just make it like an every, almost an everyday part of their routine. I think people are more likely to be able to carve out 30 minutes, like five or six days a week, then they'd be uh, more, they'd be less likely to carve out like two hours, three days a week. 
Yeah, that's huge. Tony B worked well for you because I know you're you're a coach, you're hardworking, you're a dad. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? So, um, I, I, of course, appreciate the glowing recommendation, but it's just like such a you're kind of like the avatar for for who this was designed for, and I'm Love so that. glad. I keep telling my wife there's a silverback gorilla loose in her garage like every day. Like she'll like walk in. It's a Saturday morning. I'm in the middle of rear for elevated split squats and like RDLs. And I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, there's a silverback gorilla loose in your garage right now. Please proceed with caution. Uh, there there are uh, wives, all, wives and husbands all over uh, the country that are like uh, slightly irritated by that kind of attitude, but then also really happy with the, um, the aesthetic results that their partners are achieving. I text you, my wife said my butt has great lift. I mean, <laughs> I, I, as a male, I'm not really, I was like, I don't really know what that means, but thank you. Um, I did text you. I had to get rid of my jeans because my quads don't fit in them. Um, waist, waist is good, but my thighs, they're too, too chunk. <laughs> We're creating a, a sexy and annoying people. All over. <laughs> Before I forget, where can people check out your work, the strength house work? And if they want this program, it's, I think it's, you guys underpriced it. It's a steal of a deal. Uh, dude, saturated market right now with the whole, <laughs> So had to kind of play the game a little bit there, but I appreciate you saying that Um, we wanted to make our training more accessible to more people. Um, As you know, we, you know, the strength house has a brick and mortar facility uh, where we train people in person. Um, We do uh, individualized uh, online training and those are all premium price, right? That's, that's what happens. Um, So we wanted to make a more like entry level price point in a way for more people to, to train with us. And hopefully if they have an awesome experience, they might seek us out for in-person or online training. So um, you can find out more about the strength house at thestrengthhouse.com. Uh, pretty much all social media avenues. We are at the strength house. If you go to our website, you just look at the top banner and click on online programs that will take you to our teachable page. Um, or if you want to go straight to it, it's thestrengthhouse.teachable.com. That's where you can find all our online programs. Um, like I said, the hypertrophy one was by far the most popular. I think this really illustrates what people really want. Um, you know, being strong is whatever. Being jacked, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, thick. Sold probably triple as many as any of the other programs. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're, we're really proud of that whole program series that we put out. It's something we've been wanting to do for a while. Um, the programs are designed to, to be... Um, complementary in the way that like you know you go from 12 weeks of hypertrophy to 12 weeks of general strength training to 12 weeks of peaking so they kind of feed each other uh, and the idea being that you've got 36 weeks of your training throughout the year just mapped out for you you just put your head down go to work and and once you're done those 36 weeks you're going to be really big really strong and um i don't know if necessarily you should be um buying all new clothes right away, you know, don't, don't get too preemptive with that, but chances are you're going to need a new wardrobe once you're done with it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I will say I've been pairing mine with, uh, some really good nutrition. Um, I do have some general measurables. I don't have, I wish I took before pictures. Um, I'm not like that vein where I'm like taking pictures of myself, but I will definitely send you the, uh, the measurables, uh, at the end of deload week coming up. So, yeah, um, I love, you know, that, the, uh, obviously you're going to 
be bigger and stronger. But, um, you know, the the more tangible things like that, I think uh, will really tell the tale. Those are we're in a results driven business. So the more you can measure the better. Um, and, and Greg put together a really, really awesome nutrition video for the hypertrophy one. And we were sitting down and writing the programs. And I'm just like, man, if we don't address nutrition on the hypertrophy side of things, like people are just going to totally miss the boat. We're going to get emails being like, I'm in week 10 and I'm still fucking small. And it's like, yeah, cause you're probably not eating. So Greg did a really, really awesome, um, nutrition for hypertrophy video outlining kind of all the stuff you need to know it's actually on our instagram page as well so you don't gotta buy the program to um to get that video it's it's under our igtv videos and um just outlining the basic principles and yeah you gotta you gotta eat to grow and just like with the training side of things too like um eating to grow is not quite as like bro-ish meatheadish is what you might think it's really not yeah it's, it's really not is you know like you got to be in a slight caloric surplus um you got to eat enough protein but not as much as you think you know and um yeah if you're not if you're not addressing the nutrition side whether it's hypertrophy whether it's weight loss whatever like you're just totally missing the boat and that's another fundamental change i think that we've made over covid as well it's like all these people sitting at home doing these body weight workouts like how can we make a positive change let's get your nutrition really dialed in yeah. so yeah I have three nonsense quasi speed round questions for you. And then I will let you finish your cup of coffee on this fine Wednesday morning. Thank God. I, if you, if we didn't talk about beer, I was going to be really upset. Well, that's number one. Have you had any good beers lately? Cause I know you're a big Fox farm brewing big treehouse guy. Is it Fox farm? Fox barn. Yeah, I always uh, see it. This looks so good. Looks yeah. so good. Fox farm in Salem, Connecticut. I actually went there on Saturday. Um, so yeah, still drinking a lot of great beers. Um, my my beloved uh, Hill Farmstead in Vermont, they took like a like a couple months sabbatical. They put something up on Instagram, and the whole uh, beer craft beer community like collectively held its breath. It's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Uh, but you know, so many of these breweries, if they don't distribute, um, whether it's because they can't or they just elect not to, um, if they if their tap rooms can't be open. Like it, it's a really, really, really difficult for their businesses, but so many have um, started doing um, direct mail shipping, which is cool. Um, it just depends on the laws for each individual state. So if you live in a state where it's legal to have beer shipped to you, like check out some of these breweries you might not be able to get to otherwise. What's the best beer you've had recently? Um, Fox Farm just put out a, a really good new pale ale called Patch. Um, which is really delicious. Uh, pale ales are kind of like the forgotten beer in the whole kind of like hazy IPA craze um, because they're just like, they're really hop forward, but they're, they're usually lower ABV. They're usually not so like, like candy sweet. Um, so I like having that beer. That's a little bit more kind of like uh, crisp and, and like more on the bitter end where like mm -hmm. these age IPAs tend to be like really low bitterness and like super juicy tropical flavors. So I love me a good pale ale these days. It's my, one of my favorite beers is frost pale ale. That's yeah. uh, that's a fave. It's a go-to for me. Frost um, beers. Tony, give me the most overrated young child's quasi toddler, either toy or device you know, appliance, whatever, like, just give me the most overrated thing you've ever bought your daughter. I'll uh, give you mine. Mine is the diaper genie. 
I think diaper genies are so overrated. The thing like the diaper trash cans, so overrated. We've never had one of those, but it's interesting that they, because as soon as you become a parent, like the house can get pretty stinky. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't do the trick for you guys. No, it's awful. It's, and it's a pain in the ass to like change the bags suck. You have to go buy more bags. Like it's no, it's trash. And diaper genie. I hate you. I hate you. Diaper genie. (laughs) The most overrated. I don't know. I, I think, you know, as many parents are, they're pretty fortunate to get a lot of like hand me down stuff and gifted stuff. Um, I, I think we were, we were lent a snoo, like one of those like magical, like baby bassinet type things, uh, you know, and early on in the process when Clara was still, um, sleeping in the same room as us. And that thing is supposed to just like, kind of like jostle your baby gently to sleep. It's like a, it's like a, a magical straight jacket. It never worked well for us. <laughs> nothing, nothing worked better than just like good, good swaddling. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think we've tried many many gadgets that didn't work I'll, I'll spin that and say like the best thing ever has been um washable uh arts and crafts supplies like like oh paint. hell yeah um our daughter is just like all about about drawing and painting right now all about it um and it gets everywhere so like if you anxiety talking to one of our members last night who also has a young daughter and she said she bought acrylic paint for the first time and it was like the biggest mistake ever. She's like, everything's ruined. The yeah. One, the- no, yeah, no. Washable everything. The markers wow. that like have like the delay, but they only color on the certain paper. Those are worth their weight in gold. Have you gotten kinetic sand for your daughter yet? Not yet. Kinetic sand? Yeah. Okay. I'll have to look I'm that gonna, up. I'm going to message you. I'm going to send you what I'm, I'm I got you. I got you. I'm going to message you. We don't, don't, you know, hook me up with the address. I, we got this thing for Sawyer's birthday. It's like this kinetic sand. So it's, it's, it's kind of messy, but it cleans up really well. It's not like real sand. It's kind of clumpy, but it feels cool. So like, it's a total texture thing, but um, it comes in like this dinosaur kit where you like, you like dig out like the, the fossils and stuff with this kinetic sand. It's super cool. I'm going to message you. This is, this is, this is awesome. You're going to love this. I got you. I I I might play with that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's pretty sweet. And it's a pretty easy, I will say this, it can get messy, but it's not like, it's like a total kid's sand thing. Like it kind of like, you just kind of like push it together and like pick it up. Um, But it comes in like a kit and stuff like that. So this is going to be exciting. I got, this is going to be awesome. Um, As soon as I saw Jurassic Park as a kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist. This can scratch that itch for me. Back in the day, Strength House podcast, I will forever remember this. Um, you and Greg were talking about, I think it's like King Sue, um, the, the, the IPA from like, it's in the Midwest somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sick can, great beer. Um, but yeah, like anytime you put like big badass dinosaurs, like it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I have my last question for you. This is the question I'm the most excited to ask. I hope it hits. Kill, marry, fuck, squat, deadlift, bench press. I was literally talking about this with somebody yesterday too. Yeah, because uh, it's an awesome question. Yes. Uh, all right. So I would say that over the past uh, four or five years, uh, like squat and bench have kind of like alternated between like uh, marry and fuck. Uh, and deadlift will always, always, always be kill for me. I have really short arms. Uh, <laughs> God to to squat and bench press um but as is uh, 
the case in most things like there, you know, God giveth and God taketh away. <laughs> you know, nobody is built to do all three things really. Um, so I was, I was always a bench press guy for a long, long time. I, I took a lot of pride in being a good bencher and, and knowing the ins and outs and coaching it. Well, like my first ever, um, online product was a bench press program. Um, but over the past couple of years, I really have learned to love the squat. Uh, I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Uh, my clients across the board have gotten a lot better at squatting. Like I've seen more big squat PRs from, from my clients than anything else. Um, I squatted 600 pounds for the first time, like uh, 12 hours before my daughter was born. Wow. <laughs> um, like, I mean, you know, when, when uh, we had about 12 weeks to go before my wife's due date, um, I was like, okay, like my, my only goal right now is to squat 600 pounds before our daughter is born. And I tried a couple of different times and missed it. And like basically every Monday for, I think like three, four weeks, I would come in and try to squat 600 pounds. And I finally got it um, on February 7th. And then like five o'clock in the morning, February 8th, uh, Clara was born. So I got just, you know, right at the buzzer. Um, so I guess uh, I would say at this point, probably would marry squats because wow. I'm more of my, like my faithful life partner. Uh, bench can be a little bit more like hot and cold. So I guess I would fuck bench and then nice. definitely kill deadlifts for uh, forever and always. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, you know, I thought you might flip flop the deadlift and the squat there, but uh, you have good reason to keep the squat around. So I'm glad that really? you have a lifelong commitment to the squat now. I try to keep a positive mindset, but man, deadlifts have always just been such a struggle. Um, you know, I, I have hit a couple really big deadlifts in training, but have never been able to be consistent or like pull it together at a meet. Um, and it's easy to fall back on like, I think I've got bad deadlift leverages, but, um, I, I try to keep a positive mindset and not be such a little bitch. About it. <laughs> the trap bar is your friend, the trap bar. I don't know. I brought a trap bar home during COVID and, and did a lot of trap bar deadlifting and I'm, I'm keen to never touch a trap bar ever again. <laughs> I, would, I don't always say I have said before to, um, to some laughs, probably just courtesy laughs from our members that like, if I could do a powerlifting meet where I just squatted benched and then squatted again, I would love that. That'd be awesome. I think I would, hey. I'd probably hit a big, that way then if swap I out deadlift for like the og overhead press maybe you got a shot there I, that would probably be more to my advantage too with my short arms host something at the strength house if it's your powerlifting you can do it however you want that's right that's right they have you know push pull meets where it's just squat and deadlift why not have push push just squat bench there, dude you can pioneer something good push sure. push lift at the strength house do short like a, a virtual push push yeah there you go. Get some, get some recognition out there. There are a lot of little chode lifters like me who I'm sure would love that. I'm, Hey, I'm right there with you, man. I just squatting in me are just ill. Oh, oh, uh, Tony B. Thank okay. you so much for joining on a Wednesday morning. It's snowing in Vermont. It's probably going to snow in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, I am going to run back hypertrophy for 12 more weeks and then do the general strength one. Um, I will, uh, I'll see you along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Should we do some sort of like a discount code for your listeners to pick up one of these things? If you would like to, that is your choice. If you'd like to. Let's do that. I'll go on. Um, I'll, I'll make a discount code. We'll make it three things. So if you uh, put in the discount code, three things at checkout, you'll save some cash. I'll figure out how much at this point. But um, 
yeah, it, 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 it's a pretty good deal already, like you said, but um, we want to reward the faithful three things listeners. Um, and you've, you've pumped it up enough that if, uh, if we don't sell anything with this, then I don't know. I have no faith in, in marketing. I listen, I, there's like 10 people that listen to this podcast. One of those is my mom. What up, mom? I don't know if she's going to do this program, um, but I appreciate you doing that, man. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I always love talking to you, man. Fellow Vermonter, cool. fellow beer fan, fellow dad. Uh, yes. We got a lot of things in common. If, if nothing else, if nobody listens to this, I at least got to talk to a friend for a couple of minutes on a Wednesday morning. I appreciate it, man. Have a good day. You too, man. We'll talk soon.